Hi there, welcome. Uh, this is the Travel Companion podcast with special guest uh, Michael Raimondo in South Africa. Uh, conversation is via Skype. The company that Michael represents is Green Renaissance. It's a film production company. What they do is they make stories. And they make stories about people. They make stories about wildlife and the environment. So uh, we collect our own rainwater, we cook on an old wood stove, we grow a little bit of our own food. All our electricity comes from the sun and, and the wind. Now, we talk about responsible travel, we talk about sustainability, we touch on organizations and people that are doing the right thing. And what we have here is someone who really, really cares, who is dedicated to the point where he and his partner live totally off the grid, roughly an hour and a half um, away from Cape Town near Hermanus. He's walking the walk, as they say, and he is inspiring people and organizations all around the world. It was fantastic to have him on the podcast. Um, you can find all the links uh, on his website. That's uh, greenrenaissance.co.za. I'll put the links in the show notes. What's very important is you should really support him and you can do so via a website that's called Patreon. Um, link to that is in the show notes as well. And if you would um, know more, you can also uh, find uh, the information on our website. That's podcasts.earth forward slash green renaissance. And then without further ado, here's the podcast with Michael of Green Renaissance. Hi, Peter. Hi, Michael. How are you? I was trying to phone you at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we got each other. It's all good. (laughs) Does it sound okay? I I hear you perfectly. Yeah, I can hear you very well, as a matter of fact. You must have a very good connection there in Cape Town. Uh, Yeah, we're very far from Cape Town, but we've got a little little dish on top of our roof that beams across the sea here for 30 kilometers. Wow, like satellite. Yeah, it's like a little... We live completely off the grid, so we... um, we're uh, very much away from any town, um, so but we do have a good connection, yes. And so, um, well, I'm here with Michael, Michael Raimondo. Do, do I pronounce that uh, correctly? Or <laughs> that that's perfect, uh, <laughs> Raimondo. That's that's great. Yes. Raimondo, where did that name come from originally? What, it's what? an Italian surname. Italian. Uh, Italy. Oh, that is yeah. so good. My my fiance is from uh, from Italy, from Bergamo, Italy, Milan. Yes, my family is also from Bergamo, and they've been having the really? a very, very tough time. Very you know, my tough. cousin, our, our cousin, just passed away from yeah. COVID, so it's it's been hard for a lot of a lot of the people in Bergamo and and northern Italy. Yeah, it is uh, one of those areas that thought uh, they should really stay open because of the economy, and uh, yes. they've paid the price, so to say. Yes. Yeah. So um, you are from Green Renaissance. You live in South Africa, uh, I believe, uh, from what I heard just now, an hour and a half uh, close to Hermanus, where you can watch whales, uh, which I experienced myself in in, in the past. Uh, how is it living there? We we live in paradise, I must admit. We, we're on the tip of Africa, so yeah. almost the most southern point. Yeah. And we live in a tiny off-the-grid home. Um, uh, myself and my partner Justine, mm-hmm. and uh, we we are completely off the grid. So uh, we collect our own rainwater, we cook on an old wood stove, we grow a little bit of our own food. 
all our electricity comes from the sun and and the wind right. and uh, we try we try to live as close to the earth as we can very simple life yeah but uh, uh, a really beautiful life we're surrounded by nature and as i look out of my window now i can see the odd whale blowing in the distance really it's a beautiful day oh, here in, in, paradise. In, in south africa yes. that is paradise indeed wow, wow. You, live, you say you're actually you know living what you what what, what you stand for you're the green way the sustainable way uh, of the great solar energy from what i just hear um is is that does that give you problems or no look, i mean um I, i've been an environmentalist my whole life and i used to work for iucn the world conservation uh-huh. union okay. and uh, i spent many many years working with a lot of environmental organizations um and the reason we left this the city of cape town about seven years ago was You've got to walk the walk. It's no use, you know, telling stories about conservation and um, working for these big NGOs when a lot of the people who work for them don't actually walk the walk. So we made a, a hard decision yeah. <laughs> to to leave our comfortable big house in Cape Town with our three bedrooms and everything mm-hmm. and uh, convert some old, old horse stables and live in a one-bedroom house. Very simply, we got rid of everything we, we had um, – we downscaled and we decided that you know we need to walk the walk we need to in our little way do what we believe is you know the right way to live that um, is, is for brilliant. us yeah uh, it's not for everyone uh, but but uh, it's a simple purposeful way of of living um uh, and and it makes a lot of sense to us yeah no absolutely actually you spoke with a, um, a gentleman last week hans friedrich who used to work with the um, iucn as well for 24 years so that's that's quite amazing actually i don't know if you know him um i was referred to to you by lars ling uh, obviously from sweden and uh yes yeah you know lars quite well you have worked with him in the past or yes i have we uh, many years ago we did a beautiful series about um, sustainable ideas in in sweden and we went and made i think it was 12 films uh, we were invited up there by the local municipality in Sundsvall, uh-huh. and we went and found out um, amazing stories about what the the people were doing. You know how they use architecture um, to to build houses in a different way. Um, lots of different interventions that they were doing, and we went and told little stories about it. So I met Lars there, and it was a fantastic trip. Um, especially spending time with Andres. Um, yeah, it, it, it was an amazing time. And mm. we met some incredible people doing a, a lot of very good work on the ground in Sweden. Right. Would you, what, what, do you, what do you call yourself? Do you call yourself a filmmaker or an, an inspiring? Yeah, we, we, yeah we're, a sto- we're storytellers. Storytellers, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, we try and share inspiring stories. And in the past, we used to be paid to do mostly conservation stories. So mm-hmm. we would work with the big... Uh, environmental NGOs all around the world, mostly in Africa, mm-hmm. and we would focus on telling uh, human and wildlife stories. Uh, mostly, uh, you know, if the if if an organisation is um, working with rhinos in in Africa, uh, we would go and tell those stories or community-based tourism stories. And, and that was our sort of bread and butter. That's what we were paid to do, travel mm-hmm. around showing showing um, these stories. And now in the last three years, we've sort of um, um, gone away from that. And we now just tell um, ordinary human universal stories. So inspiring stories anywhere in the world. 
that we share every week. We've done 150 of these stories in a row now. And every week we do a new story about, um, you know, you and I, anyone who, who has a beautiful message to share with the world. Brilliant. And have you done a story about yourself because you left Cape Town, you're, you're living, you're walking the walk? Have you done that? No, we, we get asked that a lot. Oh. And uh, no, we, we haven't done stories about ourselves. Um, uh, we we only live this way because of the people we've met and the stories we've told and, mm -hmm. and, all, and they've sort of shaped the way uh, that we live. Mm -hmm. But we're so busy telling everyone else a story, we haven't really got around to telling oh, our own. Oh, it seems very inspiring though. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier to be behind the camera than in front of the camera. <laughs> no, uh, I know. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure yeah. you will you will know this. I know. So means, yeah. I'm, I'm much more comfortable being behind it and and listening to people. Yeah. Um. So that's really that's really what what we've done. But maybe the time will come. Um, yeah. I'm happy to always share ideas and and if people ask us questions, we 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 interact with a lot of people on social media and we share ideas with them directly. Brilliant. And obviously, you say IUCN uh, all seems to come down to to the environment and uh, sustainability, yes. positive change, yeah. ins inspiration. Um, why why is that why is that important for you? Why is that important to me? Yeah. Um, because I don't know. All my big um, mentors in my life and uh, inspiration that I've I've had in my life has always been um, in nature or around nature or meeting people who who have dedicated their life to to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's where I feel most at home, and that's where I feel I can make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. And from my father to all the people I've met in my life. Um, it just makes sense, and I feel it's one one place that we can really make a difference, and it's where I feel at home. And I think a lot of people feel this calling of of nature, but the mm -hmm. ability for nature to heal us, and that it needs our protection. It doesn't have a voice, and we need to do our bit to 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 help. You give it a voice. We try, or we showcase people who are are doing, uh, you know, doing something that makes a difference. And and our stories aren't only focused in nature. It it really is about sort of universal messaging. What are we all struggling with? You know, what makes sense? Uh, is it love? Is it trying to work out why are we here? And um, nature is, you know, um, a universal thread that runs through all of this. But we don't only now do environmental stories. But for us. It makes a lot of sense. It's it's how we we choose to live, and um, um, yeah. For now, that makes it makes a it makes a, a sense to me. And uh, we'll touch about um, on the coronavirus a little bit later, and how that's uh, dealt with in different areas um, in the world, in, in South Africa, in in a better way, from what I understand. But um, you you normally you make like um, quite a few movies uh, during the year. You have to go out. Uh, you have to film um, anywhere really from, yes. from from South Africa to Santa Helena to. Obviously, you can't do that at the moment. How does it affect your business? Um, well, it's radically affected our business because yeah. uh, at the moment in South Africa we are in lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we uh, it's over a month now, mm -hmm. and the lockdown in South Africa is very very serious. So you you're not allowed to leave your house at all, not even to do any exercise. Wow. The only reason to leave your house is to go and buy some food. Mm -hmm. So we have not left our house now in five weeks. Uh, not once, not even to the shops. Right. <laughs> um, so how do you so get food if you can't go to the shops? Uh, we uh, we have a little. We grow a little bit of our own food, and we had um, you know deep freezers full of full of food. And mm -hmm. 
I'm also very lucky that because I live next to the sea, I'm able to go and catch some fish and, uh, uh, you know, we, we are prepared. Um, the way we live isn't so different to how we normally interact. So we, we normally would only go shopping once every few weeks anyway. Right. Um, so it's not, uh, not a huge difference for us. But in terms of the filming side, yep. um, you are right. We haven't been able to, to do any filming. Mm-hmm. Um and luckily, we had made quite a few films in advance, so we were prepared to still have films to release. And, um, you know, sometimes as a creative person, you look back and, and this virus has forced us to think differently and say, well, we've, we've got these stories from all over the world. We've made 150 films in the last two and a half years, three years, how do we relook at our archives and maybe combine some of the stories? Uh-huh. What are the universal threads that are tying, you know, a story from the Faroe Islands or a story from Scotland or St. Helena together with stories in South Africa? And we've now from last week launched a new series um, and uh, the stories are now 10 minutes long and we weaving together, um, you know, people from all over the world telling uh, different stories. Okay. For example, this week, the story was about reconnection mm-hmm. and about how how nature, you know, how nature is so important in connecting. Um, and when we're all stuck inside, there's a disconnect between nature. We're not able to go into the mountains or into the forest and what does that do to our well-being? And um, so the story we released yesterday was was following five people around the world sharing how they connect with nature and what it does to them and how they feel at peace and why it's so important. And maybe after this lockdown period, they'll be able to get back into nature and mm-hmm. reconnect. And, and we need to value what it does to us. That, nature that is that seems very topical at this uh, point i must say that's brilliant as a matter of fact i'm just looking at uh, you know some of the movies that that came out and some of the tv series and it seems to dry up uh, a little bit um you know some some from the big studios they you know just say well we wait till the cinemas uh, open up again they try to release things uh, digitally but in the beginning Correct. it was very good and now it's like you know you can see there's less and less and less coming uh, on the markets um, but you say you have some films already that were made beforehand in stock and you're basically re-releasing and remixing films obviously with, with a great uh, a great topic reconnecting with nature yes yeah, so so each each week is a different theme yeah um uh, the week before last was about uh, universal love unconditional love mm-hmm. and that was about people all around the world who have animals you know a dog or a cat mm-hmm. and just talking about what what animals do for us i mean they love us unconditionally yeah so each week it's a different theme and uh, we hopefully get a release you know for the next four months a new film every week that will talk about um, exploring our shared humanity, you know, what makes us human. And um, sometimes it will be about self-sufficiency, sometimes it will be about grief or love or nature. So that's really what um, uh, what we're going to do. Mm. Um, and uh, yes, we, we are very lucky that we have these stories from all over the world and uh, we're able to reuse footage. Yeah. And we don't know what the future holds. We don't know when we will be able to get back out there and film again. So, so we're making the best of our situation. You know, it could could be more than four months. You never know. 
Exactly, and and then and then we might tell stories, our own stories. So how do we live? And, ah, uh, then we get to your uh, story. Ah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, or, or we will be able to film with, um, you know, we have full protection uh, equipment, so we have yeah. the full hazmat suits, and and we might just choose a few stories close by and make sure that we don't get close to people. You know, film mm. them in a different way that we're not literally um you know touching them in any way so yeah. there, there must there might be a new way of telling stories that is is very different and remember there's only one person filming that's me so i'm the only person interacting with someone you don't have someone who holds the microphone or anything like that or like lights or anything like that it's all natural no, just a camera no, all, we only use natural lights yeah. we uh we we try and keep things very authentic we normally do a film in one day right and we work very quickly and then uh, justine my partner she does you know, most of the editing and we have another editor who helps us at a later stage. So we keep it very simple mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's how we work, yes. All right. And I saw on your website, um, you said, I, I do a quote when we were seeing good news stories, there was often a corporate brand or an organization behind it uh, trying yes. to sell us something. Um, yes. I did myself, did, did a project, a documentary series uh, that was in uh, full collaboration with, with the UN uh, involving yep. corporates. Um, you choose not to do so. Um, you choose to do it on your own. That might be yes. difficult in, in, in ways of funding and everything, but you choose to do that that way. Why, why is that? I think because for for ten years we did it the other way. Yep. <laughs> for 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 ten years um, we used to do a lot of um, TV series, a lot of reality shows. Then we went into only the environmental area, so we chose only um, corporates that were, um, you know, socially and sustainable messaging we agreed with. Mm-hmm. And then we only went into NGOs, and now we don't work with any NGOs or any corporates. Right. And the reason for that is. Um, um, even with NGOs and corporates, there's always an agenda. Mm-hmm. They're always trying to sell you something or they're trying to fundraise. And therefore, they are choosing um, peoples or stories or projects that um, best fit their agenda. And unfortunately, those characters aren't always uh, the uh, from a story point of view, we don't believe often that they have the most authentic voice, um, um, and uh, you're always forced as a filmmaker to to toe the line to tell that corporate agenda or that mm-hmm. NGO agenda, and you don't have the freedom to to choose those stories that don't have an agenda that aren't trying to sell anything. So, so it's much more um, uh, f- from a filmmaking point of view. You you have much more freedom to to choose the stories that you feel are the strongest, that are, are the most authentic, um, and that's what we've chosen to do. Now, that that that's absolutely fine, um, and that that yeah, that 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 is uh, obviously it gives you the freedom, but it might be difficult at a certain point to really get the money together to f- go somewhere. Um, or or do I see that totally wrong funding wise? I saw something. Um, about crowdfunding, which you use, uh, yes, Patreon. Yes. So, um, so what we did was it, it was a slow approach. So we decided that 
our passion was to tell these passion projects, these self-funded stories. Mm -hmm. So what we started doing was we would only do 80% paid work and then we would self-fund the other 20% and then it was 50-50 and then, you know, from two years ago, we we only did the self-funded work ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was a combination of two things. So we have about 195 patrons around the world on Patreon mm -hmm. and they they chip in a little bit of money every month. That's very nice. From $2 yeah. to $5 to $10. Some of them even give us $100. Wow. And uh, we are hugely appreciative for that. Mm -hmm. Firstly, because in South Africa, it goes a long way. Yep. You know, $1 is almost 20 rand, almost 20 times. What can you do with 20 um, rand? Um, so with 20 rand, uh, if, if there's 195 of these people and you're getting, you know, $1,000 or mm -hmm. $2,000, it suddenly goes a long way, um, and so so that 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 covers a lot of the you know the hard costs. But on top of that, we had an agreement with, we were invited to come to certain places, uh -huh. okay. and we did that with um, tourism uh, companies or countries like the Faroe Islands and mm -hmm. like St. Helena, where mm -hmm. we said, if you buy us a ticket and you pay for our accommodation, yeah. we will come to your country and we will find stories. You have no say on who we choose. Oh, really? But uh -huh. um, trust us in finding really authentic stories on the ground. And we will come and do a 20-part series or a 10-part series on on authentic people on the ground living um, in a different way. And we shared those stories on our platform and we gave these um, these countries a series of films that they could use across any of their platforms. And it worked really, really well, you know, in St. Helena and in the Faroe Islands. We've had millions of views on the films we've made. And they're not these sort of typical you know, come and look at our beaches and come and look at our mm -hmm. place. Um, it's really about what is the local fisherman like and, and what is his story? How does he live um, simply uh, with the ocean? Or, mm -hmm. you know, here's someone looking after the oldest tortoise in the world in St. Helena. Yeah. What is that like? Or here's an 80-year-old person who scuba dives and what is his story? What is his secret to old age? And these are universal stories that doesn't matter if you live in New York or the UK or in Africa, you can relate to this person. So it's mm -hmm. really a universal idea that we share. And, and in so doing, people can see, you know, what are these people like who live on these small islands in the middle of nowhere? And that's absolutely amazing, I, I must say. Um, and I understand that you value that uh, yourself uh, very, very much, uh, capturing these stories of, of local local people and not, not um, what normally you would see in videos is, is beaches and hotels, which is the same everywhere yeah. anyway, I must yeah. say. Um, and, 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 and when I travel, I travel to meet people. You know, if I'm yeah. going to whichever country, I'm not, okay, I'm going there because it's beautiful, but I really want to, I want to meet local people. I don't want mm -hmm. to go on a organized tourist, you know, uh, I excursion. I, I want to too. meet yeah. the local people, the mm -hmm. person who's looking after the forest yeah. or you know, the person who's teaching me how to make cheese or whatever it is. And and so you get a chance with these stories to really understand the local people because I think that's where the value is. And mm -hmm. it's not pushing or selling anything. And obviously when you have millions of people watching these videos, they see the value yeah. as well, correct? Or 
Correct, correct. Yes, and uh, you know we are not uh, we we don't call ourselves influencers like these Instagrammers who just take a pretty photograph. But, but you uh, are. And I'm not against. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I think there's more value in 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 telling a story that is authentic. You know, mm-hmm. and I think people are craving authenticity, and you can't really fake. Um, uh, an an image when it comes to video and especially Mm. when you are not in the video Mm -hmm. and it's a local person telling their story, it becomes very, very different. And what I've found in a lot of the places we've gone to, uh, the local people are saying, thank you for telling authentic stories where you're not trying to make things look prettier than they are or, you know, um, uh, forcing things in a way. And, um, and we've really had that that feedback where people are trusting us. And once they see the stories, they invite us back. And both in St. Helena, we did two trips there. Yeah, and it looked in the quite Faro nice, Islands, though. You say you don't want to make it look more beautiful, but that, that looked amazing. I saw the one called Close to the Earth, uh, St. Helena Islands, and I thought the yes. footage was really amazing. So, I mean, I know you don't use any additional lighting. Obviously, it must be a beautiful yes. place to be as well, I suppose, right? So, <laughs> Look, I mean, as a storyteller, you're always trying to make things look as beautiful as you can. Exactly. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see a picture of someone standing next to a waterfall, yeah. right? And you on Instagram or on Facebook, and you only see that, but you don't you don't see anything more than that. Mm-hmm. So you know, if there's a, a local person living in a little house underneath the waterfall, we we would tell you know their story and what does the waterfall mean to them and what mm-hmm. is their connection close to nature and try to dig a little deeper than just the appearance of an image is what i'm trying to get at yeah. and why do you want to get that out why is it necessary to get that out because i think i think we are all connected in our humanity and what we're trying to find is universal stories so stories that um you know we're all scared of dying or we all fall in love or we all Uh, have a connection to nature and these are universal stories so even if you don't travel to that country Mm -hmm. you can connect with that story that you watch for three minutes and you really uh, it does something to you you know there's a shared humanity and it makes you think and see the Mm -hmm. world slightly differently and that's what we try try and do with our films and Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's, it's it's something for a moment that people can connect with that is authentic and um, changes the way you see the world so people can identify themselves with the people that you show exactly yeah 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 Yeah. and nature is also important for you i see and um i know that's because of your career i'm sure but is there anything else uh, besides that that comes to mind why that is at this point so important for you well, it's the only thing right now that completely makes sense. Okay. <laughs> um, and we live in this crazy world where right now we just don't know what 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 is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you only need to sort of uh, spend some time in the ocean or on a mountain or walking in nature. And, you know, the world makes sense. You kind mm-hmm. of understand your place. You understand that you're a very small part of the bigger web. And for us... Um, it, it is an authentic space that, that makes us feel at home mm-hmm. um, and uh, it gives us purpose. So for, for me and uh, for Justine right now, it's, it's everything. And anytime we're really confused, we just go out into nature and, and we do that every day because we're very you lucky. Live every, to live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're lucky there. <laughs> we, we, we live in, on a nature reserve and we, we're very, very blessed to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of people we meet, um, 
you know, it's this, it's the same thread that is linking through a lot of our films, just how important nature is to them to be able to grow their own food, to have quiet time, to make sense of the crazy world out there. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's everything. And, um, yeah, I don't think we could ever go back to live like we used to live. Um, even if we have to leave this place tomorrow, we'd always seek out somewhere in nature to to, to live. Mm-hmm. And, and you say at the moment you do mainly local films, um, so mainly Africa, unless you're invited by the Faroe Islands or by uh, Santa Helena. How long yeah. do you stay there normally, if I may ask, if you go to one of these places? So um, we try and do a series of films. So in the Faroe Islands, we, we spend three weeks. We'd come back with uh, 12 films or 15 films. Uh, last year, we were in uh, New Zealand. We did a series in New Zealand, mm-hmm. in Scotland, um, in uh, the Faroe Islands. We did about four or five different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we South Africa is a vast, vast country. It's really, really big. And within South Africa, there are so many different um, climatic areas and different people and you know we have 57 million people and uh, because it's so vast and so beautiful you have these desert landscapes and then the forests and then the ocean you know we have 11 or 12 different official languages so we try and do stories in Afrikaans that a lot of people speak so we'd say if you look at our 150 films 80% of them would be in South Africa mm-hmm. but because there is a universal feel about South Africa there's a lot of people you know from all over the world so you would hear someone speaking with a French accent or a German accent or an American accent, but they all live in South Africa. Mm. Uh, or they might look like they're from India, but they're from South Africa. So it's got that cosmopolitan feel that you wouldn't go, oh, well, here's another South African film. Mm. Um, so, so at the moment, we tell mostly South African stories, but where we are invited to a country, we, we go there. And sometimes we would because we're close to another country, so for the Faroe Islands, for example, because we had to fly into Europe, we would then go to Scotland and do another series there because we already have a flight halfway across the world. So we try to make the most of our traveling um, where we can. Mm, and you, you say that, um, I saw on, on, on the article that you sent me, I believe it was, uh, that yes. additional funding... Um, you would look to make more films. And in particular, you mentioned America and uh, Europe. Yes. Um, I think, look, we'd love to get to some of the places we haven't been yet in South America, in North America, Uh and in Asia. Mm -hmm. Look, I mean, our dream is to... to to keep telling stories all over the world. Mm -hmm. And we haven't been able to get to North America or South America or Asia. Mm -hmm. We were were meant to be in Singapore uh, last month. We had to cancel that. And uh, next week we had planned to be in India telling some stories there. And so the dream really going forward is to keep keep telling universal stories all over the world. And as people support us, we're able to do that um, and be strategic in our traveling so that we have the smallest footprint and we offset all of our traveling, yet we're able to tell stories that reflect all of our humanity and we don't only tell stories from one part of the world. Mm, makes That uh, makes sense as well. You, you talk about offsetting all your travels. How, how do you do that, if I may ask? Well, um, we plant a huge amount of trees and uh, our nature (laughs) reserve where we live, that is a big part of our focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and yes, so it's in in the the work 
that we do um, that when we're not filming, uh, we spend a lot of time uh, focused on the environment and offsetting uh, what we do. The South African Tourism Organization obviously um, made uh, comments about that as well not uh, too long ago, saying that they really uh, need to offset um, all carbon emissions. And uh, they're saying that in Scandinavia, as projects uh, sh- shaming people who don't do that. Uh, obviously, you do that, so uh, you are uh, yeah. pro carbon offsetting. I see. Yeah. No, no, we're very pro, and we're very blessed in South Africa to have this one plant that I'm sure you're aware of, the speckworm, yep. which is this tiny succulent, and it, you know, it traps more CO2 than than any plant on the planet. Is that so? Um, yes, it's 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 more efficient Speck-bomb. at doing it than 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 the big trees of the. Amazon and and other parts of the world and it's very very easy to plant you just cut off a small branch of it and you put it in the ground you don't even need to use hormone powder mm-hmm. and it grows very very quickly How long? um and uh, no no I mean you, you just put it in the ground and it starts it starts rooting oh. and it's very easy to do so in South Africa there are uh, huge projects at the moment to in the area where that plant grows, uh, you know, where it's indigenous. It's not indigenous to the whole of South Africa, mm-hmm. but in, especially in these arid areas, um, there's a huge drive now to to carbon sequestrate by by putting these plants and and propagating them. Right. And and we've we've spent a lot of time doing that as well. Mm. There's quite a few great uh, projects going on anyway in South Africa. Uh, I've been many times to the uh, Two Oceans Aquarium. Uh, has won yes. many awards, which which I really like and. Uh, uh, there's other uh, projects. I, I believe that you work together with the um, African Parks and uh, I saw Peace Park Foundation. How do you do that? How are you involved with them? So Africa Parks and Peace Parks are two phenomenal organizations that are looking after these huge uh, nature reserves in Africa. Mm-hmm. And what they've done really is spent a lot of time and energy stopping poaching um, helping communities on the ground, uh, sustainable tourism operations, and they've been incredibly successful at what they do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work that we were involved with is really showcasing the relocation of animals back into these areas. And um, some of the images you might have seen are helicopters or elephants uh, hanging underneath these helicopters mm-hmm. where uh, we were filming um, relocation projects to get a lot of these key species back into areas um, um, where they've been poached, especially rhinos. We've done a lot of work showcasing um, the movements of rhinos back into these key nature reserves, and they've been incredibly successful. And it's a really good story to to tell about um, you know, these far-flung places, be them in Chad, Zakuma National Park, um, in Chad where we did stories there, um, Maputo Special Reserve in Mozambique, phenomenally successful stories after the Civil War where now there are thousands and thousands of animals um, in these reserves uh, where elephants are, are, are breeding successfully. So we've done a lot of these stories all over Africa, really specialized in going to these remote areas and telling those stories. Um, and two of our team members, um, our ex-cameraman and editor who used to be part of Green Renaissance have now set up their own company and working directly with Peace Parks and Africa Parks. Mm-hmm. And Justin and, now, and I have now focus more to only telling the human stories but we still have this very close relationship with these organizations who are doing brilliant brilliant work in africa right you, obviously the parks you say um they're doing fantastic work these parks with regards to um 
getting rid of the pouches for one. Obviously, if you have the coronavirus, there's no money coming in from tourism um, at the moment. So for, for, for Africa Parks and Peace Parks, tourism isn't a, a key revenue generator at the moment. Uh, they have... They have um, philanthropists around the world and national lotteries who are funding most of their work. Mm-hmm. And it's really key that they are bringing animals back into these key ecosystems and um, building up those populations. And I think uh, tourism will play a very key role in the future. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, they really are focusing on preserving these ecosystems. Brilliant. So nothing is going to change there. Um, no. what, what has been the reception towards your work in uh, in your area in in uh, your area in South Africa? Because obviously you're local there. Do the locals watch your work, or is it more people all over the world, or how does that? Um I think, Peter, our, our focus is to to make the work, mm-hmm. um, you know, and every week it is to make a new film. Um, we don't pay that much attention to how many people watch it. Mm-hmm. We do launch each film for free on YouTube, on Vimeo, on Facebook. Everywhere. Um, Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we share it with the world for free, but we never advertise and we never push our films and we don't dig into the analysis of how many people are watching it from where. Mm-hmm. Most of our following is from from Europe, from America. By far the biggest following is from the States, from, from the USA. Mm-hmm. Um, and in South Africa, we have some following, but it is very small compared to uh, people around the world, uh, much more... You know, much more people watch it in Europe and in the UK and in um, and in America than do in in South Africa. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have noticed with coronavirus that more people are staying at home. We are seeing the numbers in, in on YouTube starting to grow. But our our focus really is to create a body of work. You know, mm-hmm. let's create the work and. Uh, Hopefully, because the work is timeless, if you watch a film in 10 years' time or five years' time or two years' time, it's not date-specific. So even if you watch something from Centralina two years ago, it will still seem current. So, you know, we want to create 300, 500 films, and then hopefully people go, wow, here's a body of work. I can watch a series of 50 films or 30 films on a, a country or a theme about nature or about sustainable food or whatever it is so that's mm-hmm. really what our focus is at the moment okay okay and um last last topic i, I would say we talked about it earlier already you're stuck in your house for the last five weeks you can't go to the shops yes. it's not a problem for yes. you obviously yes. it's a problem for a large part of the population i would say uh, in south africa most people have to work really to make to make a living i suppose but that's they yes. cannot do look so, so as I mentioned, you know, South Africa is a vast country. It's really, really big. Mm. And we have about 57 million people here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have a huge amount of those people living in informal uh, areas. Um, we have uh, very big unemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the coronavirus, right, right now, uh, we have about 5,350 cases and and we only have 103 people who've died from this this disease mm-hmm. um and so we have a very very low mortality rate mm-hmm. and people are saying what is happening in south africa why why are the rates so low you know what is south africa doing that is right compared mm-hmm. to um, a lot of other countries um and some of the explanation is saying well you know you are in the summertime compared to europe that is in, in the winter time you know is it because 
um, you know, it's summertime and the UV light is killing the disease. <laughs> but it doesn't make sense because if you look at Mexico and you look at Brazil, their numbers, we were at the same level a month ago, but now their numbers are way, way higher. Yeah. And it really is because the South African government acted very, very quickly and put a lockdown a very secure lockdown. So our lockdown is not like the you know uh, Europe and 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 the USA. You are not allowed to leave your house, mm-hmm. and we also have a curfew where, you know, unless you're going to the shop, you're not allowed to leave. And because of this lockdown, we've very you know we've been able to flatten this curve very very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that we won't get this disease. And when it goes into the informal areas where we have high high uh, populations, um, you know, we we could have very big problems. At the moment, food security is by far the biggest problem in South Africa. We have a huge amount of people who can't work, and because they can't work, they can't eat. They live sort of, you know, day by day on the the informal sector that they have. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it it is a huge worry, and... um, you know, just in our small little way right now, our focus has been in the last month to look after the community of people living close to us. We have 12,000 people living um, in a little a little area next to us, and we've been helping a lot with, you know, soup kitchens and food parcels and trying to feed, you know, 6,000 people every week wow. um, and trying to do what we can do um, and uh, focusing on getting community members to make their own masks. So we've got a lot of ladies making 7,000 masks at the moment. Yep. So we're trying in our small way, but but uh, we realize that uh, we have a crisis on our hands and no one really knows what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. What, what we do have in our favor is the average age of our population in South Africa is 28 years old. That's the average so age in a, South Africa, 28 years old? 28 years old. Okay. So we have a very, very young population. Yeah. Uh, so out of those 57 million people, most of them are young. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, and we also have this, you know, um, a lot of the theories are saying because we have a very young population and because, you know, the sunshine and the UV light is so strong where we are, maybe the droplets are being sterilized very, very quickly by our light. And it mm-hmm. is summertime at the moment. So maybe that's the reason why things aren't spreading like they are, and maybe the lockdown is really, really working. Mm. Uh, right now, we have a, a lot of capacity in our health department. You know, we're, we're not even close to having our ventilators being used at the moment. We have a, a good health system, and we have a very good strategy in place, but uh, who knows what is going to happen? We're all bracing ourselves, but the sooner we have the immunity, the sooner most of our people get sick amongst our young population and and have the immunity and get Mm -hmm. back to work and start working and we start protecting our vulnerable old and our hrv people then then that will be the solution you know so Mm -hmm. we're all trying to work at that at the moment yeah that that, that was my next next question really what the future looks like to you but obviously you you basically answered that uh, pretty pretty much no one knows what the future really looks like it just seems to me that if people at a certain point cannot eat they start to rebel and we'll go out of their house yeah, and do whatever no, we, they we can we've seen a yeah. lot of that already in south okay, africa yeah. where 
where even even aid organizations um, today in, in the community very close to us, the food vehicles came in and they had to turn around and leave because there were just too many people. And in areas of Cape Town, mm-hmm. in Mitchell's Plain and other areas, food organizations have been attacked, um, trucks yeah. have been looted. Yeah. There's an, there, there is a dire need. But what gives us hope is that um, a lot of local people are – are setting up their own soup kitchens. People are coming together. Um, people are helping in, in in ways that, you know, we never thought would happen. And yeah. so a lot of people are digging deep into their pockets. They're helping each other. There's almost this Ubuntu of coming together, we call it, you know, in South Africa, mm. of helping each other. So food security is is absolutely key. And there's a lot of work uh, and money going into it and ordinary people just getting on with it you know in, in my local community there are these 20 amazing ladies who are feeding 200 to 300 people from little pots that they're cooking from home mm-hmm. and it's those sorts of things where where people are just getting on with it and doing themselves they're not waiting for the government or for ngos and and that's what's giving us hope you know that's really what's give, giving hope yeah would be a good story as well at a certain point no, we can't. We can't wait to get no. out and, and tell these stories. You know what makes people volunteer. You know what. Yeah. What is it amongst us that, you know, whether it's food or health, that that we we stand up. You know, and and this virus is really showcasing the best in humanity, and and unfortunately also the worst in humanity. Mm. But yeah, it's quite emotional when you when you see people stand up and 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 and, and are counted for and really go beyond the call of duty you know and it's amazing it's amazing to see so it's quite emotional i must admit at the moment yeah yeah okay yeah that that that's heartwarming indeed and um, where can people find you i saw green renaissance.co.za uh, is the new series where you talk really about the human side and um, mix some of the old footage together. Is that the same site or is there a different site? Yeah, for that, so, so if anyone just Googles Green Renaissance yeah. and uh, it will take you mostly to our website, which is greenrenaissance.co.za. Mm-hmm. And on there, you will just see a page with hundreds of films. Mm-hmm. And every single week, a new film goes live. There's over 150 films. If they want to support our work, they can go to Patreon. So that's Patreon um, backslash Green Renaissance. And if you donate $2 or $5, you get to see a film two days before anyone else. Oh. And so you get a little you get a little email Incentive. to say, here's your film. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and if you donate a little bit more, you become an executive producer and your name gets on the film and a special thank you. And so every single cent goes into making the films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, no money goes to salary for either myself or Justine. Not one cent has, has come to us directly. Mm-hmm. It all goes to, to making these films. And, um, and so otherwise people can go onto Facebook, on YouTube. And uh, if, they can't, if they can't contribute financially, just to share these stories. Mm-hmm. And um, the biggest thing for us is also finding the stories. So... If there is um, countries out there who want to collaborate with us, we can look at sharing ideas and otherwise just suggesting beautiful stories. Our, our biggest problem is finding, it's doing the research. You know, we'll meet 10 people and only tell one story. It's really a lot of the work goes into finding the stories and we really try and share beautiful stories every single week. Mm-hmm. And so, yep, yeah, that's that's who we're about. But we appreciate any support, any suggestions, 
any messaging, sharing, that will go a long way. You're everywhere. You're also on LinkedIn, I believe, uh, Twitter as well, or... Uh, we're not we're not really on Twitter or, or LinkedIn, but okay. uh, mostly on Facebook and Facebook. YouTube yep. and okay. uh, and uh, Patreon and um, Instagram a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we we we're part of a global community, and our, our our purpose is to make films. And if other people can help share them or come up with ideas, that'll be great. We we just the creators. We're not the social media experts. No, no, no that's absolutely fine. Is there anything you would like to mention uh, at the end? Anything that you say? Well, I think this is important for people to know from our side. I mean, I think I think the bigger thing in life is to 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 use whatever skills or whatever passion you have to to share with the world and make it a better place. And mm-hmm. we as filmmakers try and do our little bit to share our skills and to share stories with the world. And it doesn't matter what skill you have, um, is to to share that with the world in a way that's authentic and that can make the world a better place. And that's really what we love to do. And uh, mm-hmm. we really appreciate people being on this journey. And we inspire other people to, to do the same thing, you know, whether you're a storyteller or just just to to make the world a better place i think that would be our message fantastic thank you so much for being on the show thanks for inviting us i really appreciate it <laughs> keep well thank you So that was the podcast with Michael, Michael Raimondo of Green Renaissance. It was uh, really great, actually, to have him on the show. He really, really cares. And and I think that that's, uh, you could hear that uh, as well. Um, I'll put all the links in the show notes. You can find latest news on podcasts.earth. Thank you for listening. Uh, please tune in next time uh, once more uh, to a travel companion. You have been listening to Peter de Vries with the latest news on sustainability and responsible travel. <laughs>